usually a pet owner is, is very compliant when there's insurance and they are, are fairly certain that there was going to be coverage. They can just say, yes, do, do whatever it takes, just go for it. That way the medical team can just get to work and, and do what they need to do. And, and that is, it's an, it's an amazing thing when we can do that. This is the With a Dog Podcast, a podcast for the modern dog parent. I'm your host, Carly, and every Wednesday I bring on pet professionals or some fellow dog parents, and we laugh, learn, and commiserate about everything from the confusing vet visits to the dog park etiquette to the 2 a.m. potty breaks. Essentially, life with a dog. Hello, everyone. I am hyped for this episode. Before we get into it, my little life with a dog update. Um, as m- I mentioned in last week's episode, my dog Albus ate some stuff out of the trash. So we were monitoring him. He's completely fine. Thank you to everyone who asked about him. However, as punishment, I decided he needs to earn his keep. So I put him to work. He's doing office work. Today is his first day. He went to work with dog dad, um, aka my husband. And I'm sure he's working very hard at distracting everyone and eating lots of treats. <laughs> so fortunately, um, Mike has a dog-friendly office, so he's able to be a office dog for the first time since we've had him. Otherwise, my oldest dog, Loopy, he's doing well. He got into some dental chews that I left out on the counter which of course he has food allergies too because they're Albie's dental chews. So he's very itchy currently and I'm a little bit mad at him, but it is what it is. But speaking of Lupin's various issues, in today's episode, I talk so much about his medical issues in the past and how I wish I had pet insurance for him from the get-go. So people with a dog, this episode, ugh, I am so proud of it, guys. Episodes like this is exactly why I started the podcast. Of course, I love those episodes about, you know, like the funny ones, commiserating about dog parent life with other fellow dog parents. But being able to bring on amazing guests to answer your questions about dog care things that you may not be able to get a straight answer elsewhere, like, dang, That is my jam. I am so pumped. I've been wanting to do this episode on pet insurance for forever, and I finally found the right people to interview. So today I'm talking to Dr. Stacy, who works for Pumpkin Pet Insurance, and I pelted her with questions. I asked all of you, you guys submitted your pet insurance questions. I added in a few of my own. Of course, since she works for Pumpkin, her answers are framed with their policies in mind. But I did try to structure the episode where the first half we cover things just like really broad topics like what is pet insurance? How does it work? What should you look for when you're looking for pet insurance? And she answered all of those kind of just like broad questions with also broad answers speaking on pet insurance in general. And then the second half, I asked questions a little bit more specific to Pumpkin. So what kind of coverage they offer, how they're different from other companies, uh, a little bit more about how they operate, things like that. So we cover it all. 
And also just a heads up, there is a disclaimer, like a legal disclaimer that we just have to add in there because we're talking about insurance. And so that is in the show notes. So make sure you go skim. I don't know if I can legally say that. Make sure you go actually read it through. And (laughs) uh, so just wanted to point you all to that as well. But if you can't tell already, I am just so passionate about this topic. I mention it a lot in this episode, but my oldest dog, Lupin, has had two big surgeries that's added up to like 15K, one critical emergency where he was diagnosed with his Addison's. Now he has expensive Addison's medications that cost about $250 a month, plus very regular blood work to monitor, and he has awful food allergies. So (laughs) he's very healthy all around. Everything is taken care of and he's very stable. But if I had gotten pet insurance right when I adopted him, when he was around three years old, when he wasn't presenting with any symptoms for another year, he none of these things were pre-existing, a good percentage of all of those conditions would have been covered for his lifetime. But I was like most pet owners where I didn't see the point. I just saw a super healthy dog and I didn't want to waste my money every month paying for something we may never use. I was in my early 20s. I was paying my student loans. I was watching my budget. I didn't want to add another monthly expense. So that's my personal story. And I know that I'm actually really fortunate because I was able to pay out of pocket for those expenses. But imagine if you couldn't. I never want any of you to have to choose between your dog and your bank account. So If you're able to buy less treats, a few less chews, some less toys for your dog every month to make the pet insurance bill more feasible, I do think it's wise for you to look into. All of that being said, I'm not saying that pet insurance is going to fix all of the issues ever and it's going to cover everything. You will still need to read the fine print, understand your policy and what's covered, But I really, really hope that this episode helps guide all of you in the right direction and answers any questions you may have about pet insurance. All right, let's get into it. Our episode today, Dr. Stacy is a veterinarian with 12 years of clinical experience and over 20 years of experience working with animals ranging from kittens to beluga whales. Dr. Stacy has a dual undergrad degree in biology and psychology with a minors in animal behavior and zoo biology and a DVM from Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine. She is a licensed insurance producer in 10 states and travels throughout the Western United States educating veterinary professionals on the value of pet insurance and how to implement insurance advocacy into the hospital workflow using technology. As a champion for veterinary for the veterinary profession, Dr. Stacy has a passion for comprehensive, compassionate veterinary care, dermatology, and animal behavior. So, Dr. Stacy, welcome to the With a Dog podcast. Hello. Good morning. Yeah, good morning to you too. Well, just for all the listeners, before we delve into the life of insurance, pet insurance, all of the details. If you could briefly just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Dr. Stacy Chosinski Johnson. Everyone calls me Dr. Stacy, and I am the vet expert at Pumpkin. And so we're a pet insurance and wellness provider. I actually live out in the Seattle area, but I'm originally from New York, and that's where I got all of my education 
and I went to school over at Cornell and I did my undergraduate at a really small school called Canisius. Um, so I'm a veterinarian, but I, I work in as an industry vet. So thanks for having me today. Well, I'm so happy you're here. And random aside question, what is an industry vet? Just for people who don't know. Yeah. So a lot of times people think about veterinarians as working in, in practice, in general practice. And so that's something that I did for about, about 12 years and, and I loved it. And, and, and sometimes I, I want to go into the practice and just love on all the animals all day long. Um, but there's, <laughs> there's actually multiple sectors in veterinary medicine. So. Um, industry veterinarians oftentimes work um, for for larger companies. And so that's that's what I do. When I was previously working at a dog food company, we had a veterinarian who's been on the show a couple times, Dr. Sean, he would be considered an industry veterinarian as well. And, and yeah, it's just very interesting hearing his take on like kind of moving away from the day to day working at a practice and exploring different other career opportunities for veterinarians. So I just wanted to clarify that for everyone listening. Um, okay, so back on topic, pumpkin insurance. Yes. So I think the world of pet insurance from the dog parent perspective and what I've heard from the community and what I feel myself is it seems very like people know, oh, pet insurance, like they know the term, but maybe not the the hows, whys, wins, where's, what, all of that. So I think that's how we're going to kick everything off is to kind of just first define like what is pet insurance? Yeah. So I first should start by saying that pet insurance is growing and it's becoming much more commonplace and our industry has evolved a lot. So this is so relevant that we're talking about this today. And I like to think about it as pet medical insurance, not just pet insurance. So it is um, an insurance that covers veterinary costs for accidents and illnesses. And within pet insurance, there are some like pumpkin that have add-on products for wellness services. So it will encompass even more than the accidents and illnesses. That was a great description. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so basically medical insurance, but for your pets. And I think if you can reframe it, if a lot of people can reframe it like that, it makes so much more sense of like how it could be useful in the lifetime of a pet. So moving on to the next question, I guess it would be like, why? You know, so like, why do you think that this is an important product to have? Or why is it do you think it's important to have pet insurance? Yeah, it, well, pets are part of our family now, right? So we want to provide excellent care for them. Um, and so I, I feel like I could host a weekend retreat on this subject. So I'll, I'll tell you, maybe, maybe <laughs> like do it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Where, where <laughs> could we go in Washington? We live close to one another. <laughs> Um, so I don't know, I guess maybe, so I guess we could talk about like five, five, five main reasons. And, and I talk to veterinary teams about this all the time. And of course my friends and family who will listen to me, but you know, I always like to think, you know, accidents happen and we know that one in three pets in the U S need emergency veterinary treatment in any given year. So over the course of a pet's life, they are likely to need some emergency treatment. So, so if a pet has insurance, um, it, they're likely to be able to be covered for accidents, right? So to provide peace of mind. Yes. You know, we also know that uh, a lot of us have pets that have breed-specific conditions. A lot of us have purebred pets. And I actually, I saw that you have a podcast specifically on purebred pets. 
of Brew Red Dogs. Um, and so I actually keep this book on, on my desk and I keep it handy. It's about breed predispositions to disease. And, and these diseases can show up in pets of any age. And so I think it's important to have pet insurance from the get-go, you know, when we have our little baby dogs starting at eight weeks of age. You know, that peace of mind, like I said, it can be priceless to just have have peace of mind knowing that when our pets get sick, we can just focus on their care and not have to worry about the expense. You know, we can just shift our mindset mm-hmm. from, you know, what is this going to cost me to just, just do whatever it takes, just like we would with, with a child, for example. Yeah. And I think it just makes it easier to afford the best, most advanced treatments for our pets. You know, in veterinary medicine, we we are not just giving rabies vaccines anymore. We are doing real deal treatments. We're doing advanced care. We do CTs for mm-hmm. pets. We are providing great therapies. So vets uh, can finally do what they're born to do. And right now, less than 3% of pets in the United States are insured. And I always think to myself, if I said that in front of a group of parents and I said less than 3% of children in the United States were insured, we'd be in a healthcare crisis. And so mm-hmm. sometimes I think that's the way we are uh, in the veterinary industry. So I think there's a huge opportunity here um, to make sure we have peace of mind and then our pets are are covered. I think all of those reasons are so valid because I mean, speaking from my personal experience, I have one dog who is, he's, I got him as a rescue, but technically he's purebred and he is the one who's riddled with, (laughs) with medical issues his whole life. And, you know, and we have just paid for it. But if I had had pet insurance back in the day when I first got him, I think that would have made such a huge difference. So as you said, kind of like from day one, knowing that if your dog is predisposed to certain problems, having that from the get-go. And then my other dog, who is not purebred, like a mix of a few different things, but he just loves to like yeet himself over fences and downstairs. And and I'm just like, oh my God, this dog one day is going to break something. And it just kills me. And he loves cars. So I'm just like, he's going to dive into the road one day. And I'm trying to, of course, prevent that in every way possible, but accidents happen. And then following that, you're right. It's You don't want to be stressed over. Like when you're in an emergency situation with your dog or trying to figure out what medical issue they're having, you don't want to be in the waiting room fighting with the vet tech or something about like, oh, well, how much does that test cost? And how much is that? Does, do they really need that blood work? It's like, no, you want to diagnose the issue. You want to figure out everything and you want the veterinarian to be able to go and do like the full extent yeah. they need to do. So, yeah, I think all of those reasons are so valid. Um, you kind of touch touched on this of you're a vet. Well, first, you're a veterinarian. And second, you go and speak with lots of veterinarians about pet insurance. So what are the persuasive arguments from the veterinary side? Like, what are you telling them? Like, why should they be very accepting of pet insurance within their practice and encourage their own clients to get it? Yeah. So I I mentioned before, it allows vets to do what they were born to do. So, you know, as pet parents, we want the best for our pets. And that's especially the case too with veterinarians, right? They've committed their lives to serving pets. So, so they, they want 
pet parents to have the best experience they can at the veterinary practice. So, so this will provide, this will provide the opportunity to do that. You know, when you were just mentioning kind of that experience of, you know, going to the vet, I was just thinking back to a story where I I had a, a client, I just thought of this now, I had a client come in and she was she was nursing her dog overnight who was very, very sick. She was so worried about this dog. She came in as soon as the door opened. She didn't have an appointment. She just knew she needed to get her pet in. And so she rushed in. You could tell she hadn't slept all night. She was, I'm, I'm pretty sure she was still in her pajamas. And she was, she was mm-hmm. just distraught. And she was there. And I remember having to bring in a treatment plan to her um, and go over billing with her. And that was, mm-hmm. that was the last thing on her mind and the last extra thing that she wanted to have to go through because her pet was already in an emergency situation. So I, as a, as a, a medical provider, it would have relieved so much burden to just get that level of stress off of, off of that client. That it's so true. It's like, that's the last thing I want to worry about. I want to worry about like, what is going to fix this issue or something rather than like, let me break down the cost of this in this moment. Right. And it also helps to speed up the process. I mean, in general, in veterinary medicine, we're getting that when when a pet's having an emergency, we're getting that pet back. We're, we're providing supportive care. We're we're providing emergency care. But in that process, we're Mm -hmm. having to create, um, authorization too, as well as a a diagnostic and treatment plan and, and take that to the pet owner for authorization. But usually a pet owner is, is very compliant when there's insurance and they are, are fairly certain that there was going to be coverage. They can just say, yes, do, do whatever it takes, just go for it. That way the medical team can just get to work and, and do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, yeah. it's, an, it's an amazing thing when we can do that. So I think building off that, I think a lot of this conversation is involving money. And as a pet owner, as a person, you know, you're conscious of budget and spend monthly spending, all of that. So I think a lot of people have a fear of spending, you know, let's say $100 a month for insurance for their whole dog's lives. And then they never actually make a claim or they never actually use the pet insurance. And then they're, so I think that's the fear that a lot of people have. And that's why it deters them. So I guess like, my question is, what's your response to that concern? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think that finances are relevant for everybody, whether you have a little bit of money or you have a lot of money, it's relevant. So the -hmm. cost of vet care can add up over a lifetime. And so families are expected to spend between $13,000 and $17,000 on veterinary care over a pet's lifetime. So that that can be a lot. So insurance can help with that. And just everyone, I have exceeded that in three years of having Lupin. So right. keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yours, <laughs> yours was consolidated into three years. So I'm feeling for yeah. you right now, but it's, you know, it's, it's important for us to take, take care of, care of our pets. Um, so the thing that I should, should mention is like, I have a story surrounding insurance and why I actually work for pumpkin because I think it's a unique offering because we want folks to go to the vet and take advantage of their insurance. So uh, I, I think people want to find the value in insurance. And when we have an offering that provides coverage for covered conditions for exams, it allows pet parents to use that insurance. So when chronic conditions can be checked on, so conditions like arthritis or derm- dermatological conditions, then a pet parent will get the value out of that insurance. So I just think about 
uh, prescription food coverage, for example. We know that diets can add up over time. So if a pet has coverage for prescription foods and they're covered for food allergy, and that's covered, say, at 90%, and that bag of food costs $100, and they're getting a bag of food every two weeks, they can get a ton of value out of their insurance plan. Mm-hmm. Also, when they have high cost visits, say for a huge accident, like a hit by car or an orthopedic injury, like uh, f- like for a TPLO procedure, which is a plating procedure where they t- tear their cranial cruciate ligament, or you know, in that unfortunate circumstance where a pet gets cancer and a pet parent wants to pursue chemotherapy or even radiation, that can really add up. So I see insurance as a way to financially plan. So when we say $100 a month for insurance, I think there's great value in that. And sometimes mm-hmm. I actually joke with veterinary teams, especially ones who live in the Seattle area that drink a lot of coffee. I always say, well, how many lattes is that a month? Uh, that may not approach some people's coffee budgets. So, um, you know, we all we all find um, value in, in different things. But I think that just looking at the numbers, looking at it really um, just um, rationally, you know, it's I think it's it's it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's just it really is just about reframing it in your mind of its insurance. So would you not pay $100 a month in car insurance because you're like, no, 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 I'm a great driver. Nothing will happen. Or like, what if I never use it? And it's like, well, you would still get insurance. Like you would still have car insurance just in case because of those incidentals. And as you said, you can get so much value out of it. And I think, um, I think like the story with the prescription food is, is very, topical because that's the same thing with um my dog has addison's lupin has addison's and so we pay for his um zycordal which is every month which is expensive yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so i try to you know save a little bit money by giving him the injection myself just because of my past training i'm able to but his medication every month is not cheap. And if uh, if I had had insurance back in the day when he was diagnosed, as you said, it could have been covered for the rest of his life, potentially, depending on the coverage, of course. But as you said, it could get so much value out of that $100 a month. Um, okay, so I think moving on, we've we've kind of covered the what and the why. Now, the how. So first off, just how is in like how to sign up or like how to look for a pet insurance that would suit a person's lifestyle, budget, dog, whatever. So kind of what are the deciding factors that a pet parents should look for in an insurance company when they're looking to sign up? That's a good one. Um, and it's so important to talk about this because there's a huge knowledge gap in pet insurance. And I, the thing I should mention to you uh, is a little bit about my story. So I actually had my insurance license shortly after becoming a veterinarian unrelated to pet insurance, but I learned how to read a policy. And so I could never fully okay. get on board with a pet insurance plan until I learned about pumpkin. And it's because of um, a lot of these deciding factors. And, and I, I felt like, wow, this really aligned with what I was trying to do. So I was looking at these specific things when deciding to bring one into my practice that I thought would align with kind of what my clients would want and kind of what, what I wanted. 
um, as a veterinarian. So let's kind of break break these things down. I'll put kind of my teacher hat on. We'll talk kind of some insurance yes. terms, uh, and hopefully I can kind of put them in, in basic terms so we can kind of understand them and people can feel confident kind of looking through different options as they're looking for the best option for their pet. But first and for- foremost, we need good, comprehensive coverage. That's the most important thing. It has to cover important things that your veterinarian is offering, right? Because you don't want to go and approve, have things approved at the, or you don't want to authorize things at the veterinary office and then have them not covered. So I recommend ensuring your pet when they're young, before they have um, multiple diseases, you know, sign them up at eight weeks of age um, or whenever an insurance um, starts and then sign up for a plan that's going, you know, to have great coverage. So good coverage might look like having exam fees for accidents and illnesses coverage covered, um, having prescriptions, prescription foods covered, dental illnesses covered. So imagine those, um, those surgical dentals being covered, behavioral therapy being covered, rehab therapy being covered. Um, so some insurances will exclude this or charge more for this. Or maybe you'd have to add on a rider for this, which is an extra monthly charge just to have this type of okay. coverage. So we need good coverage. The next that what what would an example sorry yeah. to interrupt what would an example of not good coverage be there there is an actual plan out there that doesn't cover exam fees it doesn't cover dental illnesses it doesn't cover behavior issues it doesn't cover prescription diets it does cover alternative therapies mm-hmm. it doesn't cover microchips okay. um, we have something on our website. It's at pumpkin.pet backslash compare where you can look at the different plans and what they do and do not cover. Okay. So that's really helpful. I joke that it's the holy grail. I love charts. So it's it's a really helpful resource for pet parents to go and look. I think that that makes sense. Like someone may be like, oh, great. They cover you know, acupuncture. But it's like, well, if they don't cover the exam fee for that illness, that a dog would potentially need acupuncture for, then it's kind of like, yeah, you're right. It's like an alternative kind of thing. Okay. And that makes more sense. And to that point with the exam fees, you know, say for, say for example, a pet parent wanted just coverage for a hit by car. That pet may have one big exam and maybe not need a lot of rechecks, but most pet parents need to bring their pets in for chronic illnesses, right? They need to have follow-up exams. So those exam fees are really important. And some of our kitty cats, you know, they need to be hospitalized for chronic kidney disease or something like that. So they need to stay at the emergency clinic for for a couple of days, maybe every 12 hours, they will need a follow-up exam. So those will add up uh, for that visit. So uh, for covered conditions, it's it's really important to have those exam fees. There are are some other deciding factors that are really important to look at too. And so we can kind of dive into those if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you said you had a few main terms and stuff. So keep yeah. going. Okay, great. So the next one is reimbursement rate. So I like a 90% reimbursement rate. That means that after you reach your deductible, that's another insurance term. So that's the amount you pay out of pocket before your insurance starts mm-hmm. to pay out. So I like a 90% reimbursement rate. So that means 90% would be reimbursed. There are all different ones out there that's really important to look at. So if you have a 60% reimbursement rate, 60% would be paid back. 70% reimbursement rate, 70% would be reimbursed. So it's important to look at. 
The other thing is the deductible. So we mentioned that that's the amount that you pay out of pocket before it kicks in. But there's two different types of deductible setups that I, I know of. One is an annual deductible and the other one is a per condition deductible. So with, okay. with pumpkin, for example, it's an annual deductible. So that means that every 365 days you pay the deductible out of pocket. So for my dog, it's $100. So I know that his first accident or illness that, that he goes in for each year, I'll pay $100. Um, but there are other yeah. plans that have a per condition deductible. So for each condition, so maybe each disease class, you pay a new deductible for each disease class. So that's important oh. to look at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if they have, let's say, so if it's per, per year versus per condition. So if they have like an ear infection in February and then they tear their paw pad on a hike in the summer and then they develop some allergies in the fall. And so if it, you're paying a deductible, you're paying that deductible amount. Let's just use the $100 every single instance versus you pay just that 100 at the beginning of the year for all of those instances. Right. So whatever what they would qualify as a, a different um, condition. Yeah. So it would be a per condition deductible. So that can get confusing okay. for the pet owner, I believe, if it happened like right at one after another, just like you've described. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then, yeah. And then you end up paying more out of pocket at the end because you're paying per condition or per, you're paying more deductibles potentially. Okay. So we've got comprehensive coverage and reimbursement rate and the different types of deductibles. Yeah. The next thing that I look for is how easy is it to file a claim? So if it's easy, it's something you can do online. If it's streamlined and easy for your veterinarian too, I think that's a perk. Mm -hmm. Other perks are um, if you can use it at any veterinarian in the United States. An, an extra perk on top of that is if you can use it in Canada. Um, so now that the, mm -hmm. the borders are opening, if you live in the Pacific Northwest like we do and you go to Whistler or something like that, it's good if you can use it in Canada. Also, if they have a multi-pet discount, that's a bonus. Uh, also, um, maybe um, if there is a short waiting period, that's also a good thing. So a waiting period is kind of when you sign up for insurance um, and then you wait a certain amount of time, um, that's kind of when your insurance is kicking in. And so, okay. so for pumpkin, for example, it's 14 days. It's 14 days for everything. And I really like that. There are other insurances that say for a knee and ligament waiting period, it could be a whole year before a pet will wow. have coverage for the knees. Yeah. And it, I, you know what? Okay. I actually have a story to go along with that. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but I was, um, so Lupin, this is, uh, when we were living in London, I had pet insurance for him and it is a lot more common over there, which was awesome. And Lupin had a, he ate his harness earlier in the year. We did the x-rays. It didn't show any issues or they didn't show any like hard things like the metal or the plastic or anything. Turns out there was still a bit of cloth in there. It kind of got stuck between his stomach and his intestine. Then he ate grass and the grass rolled around it. So he became like an obstruction. And he had to get in a very expensive surgery that literally broke me in more ways than one, <laughs> not just the bank account. <laughs> and I was so like after he was more or less healed from that, I was like, okay, he's he's in the clear. 
we've paid our very expensive bill. Gosh darn it, I'm getting him pet insurance. Like, Carly, you need to just bite the bullet and do it. Because I kept thinking he had too many pre-existing conditions. I was like, I'm not going to sign him up. I finally did. And then a couple weeks later, it was like three weeks later, he started limping. I'm like, oh my God, this dog. And (laughs) so I brought him in. I know, I know. (laughs) So I brought him in to got his x-rays and I was like, perfect. I have pet insurance now. And I was like, oh yeah, and it's past 14 days or like whatever. And so it turns out he, it was just that he had lost a lot of muscle mass during his surgery issue you know like while he was healing and so that's it was kind of like a limping because of that plus he was getting older he had some spondylosis and stuff but his actual joints and everything didn't show any injury so i go to the insurance to try to get them to cover it and they were like no because it's an illness not an injury or some something like that and i was just like well like and i understand you know we can't put this I can't be like, pumpkin would have covered it because that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying like, they were like, oh, you're still within the 60 days from signing up. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, I I signed up. I did the right thing. I finally signed up. And and the doctor said it was probably spondylosis. And so that's why he was. And so they're like, oh, that's a an illness, not an injury or whatever. And so basically, it was kind of like all this fine print. I, but it, the the point I'm trying to make is I was still in this like waiting period, this ambiguous waiting period. And I was just like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? You know, it's been like three or four weeks by the time this had happened. And I was still in this 60 days. So I just want to tell everyone that a 14 day amount sounds very nice in comparison to what I went through because I ended up paying up, you know, it was about a thousand bucks for these x-rays and all of that when I didn't think that I had to. But keep going. Sorry. I just had to share my actual like story with everyone on that. Yeah, those real life stories are so important to to talk about because that is a watch out the waiting period. It's important to know your waiting periods. It's important to understand your policy. And we've worked really hard to have an approachable brand where folks will come to our website and really take a look at it to become educated. And we've already talked on a lot of a lot of the components of insurance and a, a pumpkin. And so we'll, we can kind of talk more about it. But um, the one thing I do want to say is we try to be very transparent. So we actually have our uh, uh, we have our sample policies on our website where you can click your state, you can click cat or dog, and you can just read it. Mm -hmm. So we want it to be there for folks to look at. And you brought up a a really important point about pre-existing conditions because most pet insurance plans um, do not cover pre-existing conditions. Um, With pumpkin though, um, if a pet's pre-existing condition is curable and it's been cured and free from treatment and symptoms for a period of 180 days, we consider it a new occurrence. Okay. That is yeah. very nice. So, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there, I mean, there are some diseases that can't be cured. So, so there are some, some of them like certain, like diabetes, certain types of cancers, knee and ligament injuries, but um, there are many that can be cured. So if we go past the 180 days, we have a, a clause, which you can read on our, our website and a sample policy um, that allows for these curable conditions to be covered after 180 days. So that's one of the things that I really love about pumpkin because it provides some flexibility there. Yes. Okay. I think, okay. Speaking of pre-existing conditions, I think that is 
such an amazing thing as far as what you were just saying about brand transparency that pumpkin tries to have and also just approachability because that i think is as much as i mentioned you know people kind of have the fear of spending the money every month i think there's also the fear of the fine print because you hear stories just like i shared of like well i waited the you know the 14 days had passed but still it was you know, like it it was 60 days for this other thing or like whatever, you know, and, and so it was just you hear kind of these horror stories of, oh, I pay for insurance and then it didn't actually get covered. You know, another story I've heard is because he's had an ear infection before, it's considered a pre-existing condition. Therefore, this new insurance that I just signed up for will never cover any future ear infections. And it's kind of like, well, you know, you start to think as a pet owner, you kind of start to think like, well, what? what's the point then if you know if if these type of things can't be covered and so i think that's a fear of a lot of people's is the whole the fine print and the pre-existing condition so a lot of my listeners do have rescue dogs so what about that as far as pre-existing conditions like what if they came to the home with a prior injury or something like that do you think that pumpkin or that something like that could be covered potentially? Yeah. So what I would say is first and foremost, it's everything's going to be based on a veterinarian's previous record. So we definitely want any records, whether it's, it's from a former veterinarian or a rescue organization. Also, if a pet has signs, symptoms or a diagnosis of a disease, that would be considered a pre-existing condition. Um, but there are many pets who are adopted that are healthy, right? They're even middle-aged healthy dogs that maybe um, just have some long toenails, right? And they come to us and they're healthy and, and we should definitely get them insured. Yeah. Um, you did You did mention ear infections and ear infections come in many varieties, right? Some of them are chronic allergies and that would be a pre-existing condition and allergies aren't curable, right? Mm-hmm. They have those long-term. But sometimes a dog has a scratch on his ear, it's a laceration or, or something of that nature, or there's a grass on. So they come in all different varieties. So I always say that um, pets are, are always judged on a case-by-case basis. And so that's something that would be handled um, based on individual claims. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah so, so it's so not, always call us. it's not a no. Which is, which I think is the, you know, in my experience, some pet insurances, it's just like a flat out like, oh, they've experienced it before. Absolutely not. And, and it sounds like Pumpkin is able to at least assess on a case by case and, and figure it out in that way. Some folks will say to me, well, you know, is it worth getting an older dog insurance? And I say, Yes, because I would want medical insurance. <laughs> so, so yes, I could, you know, I could still have an accident. I could still get an abscess. I could still get hit by a car. I could still get cancer later. So yes, mm-hmm. um, yes, I think it's good for, for geriatric dogs and cats to, to get insurance. But if we have listeners out there who have an eight week old puppy that they're bringing home, they are an ideal candidate for insurance. We should insure our puppies when they're they're squeaky shiny and new. Oh yeah. And I think it's one of those things that a lot of pet owners tend to live in denial of like, oh, nothing could happen. I'm so safe or I try to I take care of them so well and all of these things. And I was that person. I was that person with Lupin. And then one thing after another kept happening. And it's just, it would have been so much better for personally if I had had insurance sooner. Um, but okay, 
we've kind of started or we've talked about the why, the how, the what. I think a lot of people have questions, including myself, more about logistics as well. So logistically speaking, how does pet insurance work as far as like the pet parents responsibility? So do they pay the vet up front and then file a claim for reimbursement? Is that how I mean, I know your answers will be pumpkin specific, but is that how pumpkin operates? Most most insurances will um, provide a reimbursement to the owner. So we try to make it as streamlined as possible. So typically a vet will provide you an invoice. And so you can actually take a picture with your cell phone, just take a photograph and you upload it to our website and then we can reimburse right back to your bank account. And so that can happen um, pretty fast. That is so nice. Okay. So is it just like an email, like you just fill out like a little claims form or is it like on an online account that you fill all that out and upload everything? So there is, there is a way to do it by snail mail or with paper and actually uh, provide that to your veterinarian. But the easiest way is to take a picture and go online to our website and upload it. I just Mm -hmm. did it the other day for my own pet. And then your veterinarian can email us the records. Okay. And it can all happen digitally. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So then on the veterinarian side, it's not like when you go to your own doctor's office, like human doctor, and then they're like, okay, you know, your insurance is Blue Shield or whatever, Kaiser. And they say, we'll bill the insurance and then we'll send you a bill or like anything like that. So it's kind of more like you as a pet owner are submitting the claim and then getting the reimbursement from the insurance. The veterinarian can submit the claim, but the the, the default way to do it is for the pet parent to just submit that invoice. And then on the veterinary the veterinarian office side, all they really have to do at that point is just send the records to you guys? Yep. Okay. All right. So it's it's not like you're piling more work on the veterinarian as far as like making them fill out forms on top of forms of claims or anything like that. Yes. So so traditionally, a lot of um, insurances would provide a paper copy and there's there would be something to fill out and get put on, on, you know, stack of paperwork and then and then send that in. So we're trying to be really innovative and tech savvy and streamline things as much as possible because we want it to be easy for the veterinarian as well as the pet parent. That is that makes sense. I mean, when I used to work at the vet office, uh, this is years ago, and it was when pet insurance you know, it was a thing, you know, some of our our customers had pet insurance, uh, but it was like a paper claim form that we would stick, you know, in the the box for the veterinarian. And then at the end of the day, when they're exhausted, they would have to go write up notes and try to fill this claims form out and everything. And I know it was sometimes taxing. So I, I do like the idea that really, it's just like they can focus on the medical care and just send over those records so that yeah i think that is as you said very innovative and we work directly with veterinarians to help them with the process just so they're familiar with it and we um, we want it to be as easy as possible we help veterinarians to sign into a separate portal um to to help them so yeah so if there's listeners out there who who have a, a regular veterinarian and they have pumpkin it's it's great to be able to ask your veterinarian hey do you partner with pumpkin you of course can use pumpkin at any any licensed veterinarian in the US or Canada, but we love to partner with veterinarians to help them. Okay, so that was my other logistics question is 
Because, you know, you may find a doctor in the human world that you really want to go to, and then you find out that your insurance is not accepted there. So how does that work with pet insurance in general? Does it have to be like, does that veterinary office have to subscribe to a specific pet insurance or anything like that? Nope. Any Anyone can go to any veterinarian in the U.S. or Canada, and you can actually get a quote online through our website at pumpkin.pet. And you all you need to know is your pet's age, breed, and zip code. That's the zip code of your home, not of your veterinary office. And you can run a quote on there. Amazing. Okay. Because I think that's very useful. As you said, if you're on a trip to Canada or you're visiting family for the holidays and your dog gets ill, you know, Grandma Susie gave your dog something like raisins or something. You're like, oh, crap, and have to rush him to the vet office to induce vomiting. It's nice to know that those type of things would be potentially covered, not just at your own vet office. And sometimes our pets will get into an accident and we'll need a telemedicine consult. So Mm -hmm. uh, for pumpkin, at least telemedicine is considered an exam. And so that's something that would be covered. Yeah. So you can take advantage of that as long as it's a licensed veterinarian. Or if you need to go to a tertiary referral center, say you need to go to the the university and get an MRI, that would be covered. Mm -hmm. So you can take your pumpkin with you. Okay. Take your pumpkin with you. I love that. (laughs) Um, okay, well, I have a few more questions specifically about pumpkin then and logistics wise. So um, are there flexibility in your plans? Like, let's say someone is like, you know, my budget, I really can't afford at this time to get full comprehensive coverage, but I would really like accident or emergency coverage. Do you guys have flexibility in that way? Yes. So we have two different products and we do have some flexibility that will change the premium a little bit. But what I should say is when you are a pumpkin pet, you get premium coverage. So, and and I should say that we have an Instagram page where uh, pumpkin parents love having pumpkin pets and they post pictures and it's, it's a, it's a whole thing. We just, <laughs> we just love our pumpkin pets. But to answer your question, there is a variation in the deductible. So I mentioned before that my dog, Professor Elvis Dumbledore, we call him Dumbles, he has a $100 deductible. Okay. okay. But I, I could have chosen $100, $250 or $500 for the deductible. Okay. And that would have changed my premium a little bit. So as you would imagine, if I had a $500 deductible, that would have lowered my monthly premium. Okay. Okay. Yes. The other thing is, is you can choose your annual limit. So the amount that the plan would pay per year. So when you go in and you put your age, breed, and zip code of your pet, then it will give you these different options. And then you can just choose what you'd like. Okay. I also mentioned that we have two different products. So We have our insurance product, which is for accidents and illnesses. And then we also have an add-on wellness option, which is called our preventative essentials pack. And that's available in many of the states in the United States. And so that has um, a set price that you can add on. And so you may or may not choose to add that on depending on um, your budget. So So the preventative wellness, is that kind of just like cover vaccines and annual exams and like maybe an occasional dental or what is that? Yeah. So that was a really close guess. So for the preventative essentials packs for dogs, it would include a wellness visit and two vaccines, a fecal test, and then also a heartworm test. 
And then for puppies, it's a little bit different because they don't meet their heartworm test yet. So they would get a wellness visit, a fecal test, and then four vaccines. So that would be an add-on that we would add on to the insurance. Awesome. That's really nice because I feel like I know all the pet other pet parents out there are with me on this with when the vet recommends getting a fecal done and you're like, but they're ha- they're fine. They're, there's no digestive issue. But at the same time, the vet is recommending it. But you're like, do I need to pay for that? So I think that makes a lot of sense for the the kind of the wellness preventative. Yeah, we recommend doing a yearly or even a fecal every six months just for wellness purposes. So so that's really important to do that screening fecal. And then if a pet did have gastrointestinal issues, maybe diarrhea, then that would be part of the insurance package. So between the two different offerings, it provides really comprehensive care for the pet. Well, and even like you said, the heartworm test. It's like I live in the Pacific Northwest. I don't I mean, so do you. But like, you know, it's it's not as prevalent here. And you're like, the dog's fine. He's fine. But at the same time, you're like, I know I should get one. Gosh, darn, I don't want to pay for it. But if it's part of the insurance, then it kind of makes it a little bit or it makes you a little bit more willing, I guess. And you would be surprised at the amount of heartworm that we're starting to see because people are finally starting to test and mosquitoes over winter. And a lot of pets are traveling from different parts of the United States. Mm -hmm. So I think it is going to be an important part of our future in veterinary medicine. Oh, my God. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Now I'm going to (laughs) start worrying. (laughs) We already have to be like concerned more about leptospirosis and things like that up here. So now I'm like, I was like, we don't have to worry about heartworm, at least. Apparently, that's not true. It's everything. Got to worry about everything. Um, Okay, so so we kind of talked about plans and how there's a bit of flexibility as far as what you put your deductible as and like what kind of coverage you get and all of that. Other question about pet insurance or about pumpkin that I think a lot of people hear rumors about different pet insurances. Do you guys have breed exclusions at all? No, we don't. We do not discriminate on on breeds and we do not discriminate on upper age limits. Love it. Love it. There are a lot of insurances that do that just for all the listeners. Um, specifically in in the UK, when I was trying to get Lupin covered as an American foxhound, technically over there, foxhounds was an excluded breed because they're used more commonly in hunting. And so there were so the company was like, no, it's excluded because I mean, they didn't give me a very, very uh, specific answer. But essentially, it was because I'll eat over there. I'll, there's a lot of hunting dogs and they're all just, you know, like 30 of them in a barn outside and they're more likely to get hurt and have illnesses and they're not treated as pets. And I'm over here with my foxhound like, oh, no, he sleeps on the couch and then our bed. And you know, he is he is very much a pet. And so I love that that you guys don't have any exclusions with that. Yes, we just need yeah. the age, breed and zip code. We will ensure a 12 year old bulldog. Perfect. Love that. Yes. And the age thing, too, because there's so many that are like, oh, no, they have too many pre-existing conditions or, oh, they have they're going to start having too many conditions. We don't want to cover them. And so, yeah, I think the age thing is really important. Um, Okay, well, we've been talking a lot about like pet insurance on a whole and we started getting specific to pumpkin. But just for all the listeners, I'd love to know a little bit more about like pumpkin as a company. How did it get started? And you've kind of touched on how is it different than other pet insurances, but just like 
kind of tell us a little bit more about Pumpkin on the whole. Yeah, so Pumpkin is a subsidiary of Zoetis, which is the world's largest animal health company. And we saw a gap in the marketplace for a product that would help prevent illnesses while also providing that extensive coverage that we talked about uh, when your pet gets sick or hurt. So we wanted to create a company with superior, superior customer service and also this fun, approachable brand. We talked about our website, right? And we wanted to be really approachable for pet parents. And we also wanted to align with the goals of the veterinarian because I think we're all in it together as pet parents who love animals and love our dogs. So, so that's what we're all about. And we love the name pumpkin. I think it's really unforgettable and mm-hmm. it's a term of endearment that we have for our pets. So uh, hopefully it will be very memorable to all of the, the listeners today. Yeah. Okay. That, that was going to be my other question was like, how did pumpkin, like the name come along? So is that what it is? It's kind of like the term of endearment for a pet. Yeah. Yeah. And there were a few people on our leadership team who actually call their their pets pumpkin, but it's not their real names. It's just a nickname. Right. Cute. Okay. Well, also random moving away from insurance. Dr. Stacy, I did not realize that you had a dog named Albus Dumbledore as well. My dog Alby is named Albus. Oh. I didn't I can't believe we did I, we didn't like make that connection earlier. <laughs> well we call we actually call him Dumbles. Because he does not smart things. <laughs> Dumble. That's so much better. That's such a good one. That's so funny. And then Lupin is like Professor Lupin. So oh, okay. we have our we have our Harry Potter dogs, it sounds like. That might be our theme for Halloween this year. Ooh, yeah. Is it like the whole family is going to dress up, do you think, to match? I have a Professor McGonagall wand from Universal oh. Studios. My yes. daughter wants to be Hermione. And I think Dumbledore will probably be Dumbledore. Perfect. Or maybe he'll be the um, the dog. What's the dog? Fang, the one, the three headed one, or is no, that... the Hagrid's one. There's yeah. Fluffy, who is the three headed, and then Fluffy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be cute if you could get the the extra two heads on him or something. Yeah, That's really we'll see. Sweet. We'll see. However, um, I should mention, and I don't know if you're recording this, but we're gonna do some special things for pump uh, at Pumpkin for. The Halloween holiday. So stay tuned for that. Check out our website. There's going to be some fun stuff. Coming Will do. Through. I am all you know, I am all for dogs in costumes around ho- Halloween, like every day of the week, or every day of the year, not so much. But like around Halloween, I love to see the group costumes that everyone comes up with. Um, we're gonna be out of town for the weekend of Halloween, unfortunately. So I don't know if my dogs and I are going to dress up this year. But We'll see. All right. Well, we will keep an eye out on the pumpkin page for the Halloween costumes for all the pumpkin pets. But also, um, I think that was all of my questions for you as far as pet insurance. You have given us so much additional info and insight, I think, into pet insurance on a whole, as well as how pumpkin is different and, and goes about everything as well. So Thank you so much for coming on and giving us all that info. If people want to connect with you or learn more about Pumpkin, where can they find you? Yeah, so feel free to check out our website. It's at pumpkin.pet and you can run a quote there. Uh, We also have lots of pet blog articles at our Purrs and Wags blog at pumpkin.pet backslash blog. And I'm just a, you know, a fellow dog mom out there. (laughs) I'm navigating the world. So feel free to find me on Instagram at drstacybet. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on, Dr. Stacy. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's nice to share this information and 
Yeah, let's keep in touch. Yeah, well, hopefully one day, since we're both in the Seattle area, we can meet, get our Harry Potter dogs together. But in the meantime, everyone, if you want to follow the podcast, it's at with a dog podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And you can like our page on Facebook. It's also with a dog podcast. We have new episodes every Wednesday. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. All content on the With a Dog podcast is for informational and comedic purposes only. It should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.